A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Many see renewable energy as the way of the future. There have been several large-scale solar energy projects advancing across the state, as well as the first wind farm in six years, the Red Barn Wind Park in Grant County going live. Does this mean Wisconsin is going all in on the development of renewable energy? I'm Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report, and I am speaking with Matt Bohr, a former wind energy project manager at General Electric, before transferring over to Lakeshore Technical College, where he taught wind energy for a number of years. And he is currently a wind energy consultant and advocate working with wind energy companies. He shares what the future of wind energy looks like and how that will impact rural landscapes. Matt. What is the current state of wind energy in Wisconsin? Well, Nate, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Your timing was just about perfect. Um, about a week and a half ago, I was in New Orleans for the American Clean Power Conference, which is uh, pretty much the largest wind energy trade show, as well as a little bit of solar and battery storage and, and such in, in the world, really, definitely in North America. And uh, right now, it's with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act and such, things are looking really, really up for pretty much every type of generation I just mentioned. Looking at what's going on in Wisconsin right now, this Red Barn Wind Park project, how important is it in the push for renewable energy in Wisconsin? Um, I know the project uh, came in just under 100 megawatts. I, I believe there's uh, 20, 28 or 29 turbines involved. And uh you know, as someone that's been part of this business for almost 20 years and saying that, yes, definitely makes me feel old now. Um, it, it's definitely a good thing to see. I, I really hope that the, uh, the the community embraces it, and I wish them all the luck in the world. I mean, to, we haven't had a wind farm here in Wisconsin, at least a new new one like that, in, like you said, it's six, six seven years. And uh, it, it's it's a definitely a big step. Uh, from, what I, from where I sit, I'm seeing an awful lot of... Uh, a big push for solar in Wisconsin, everything from residential to utility scale. And uh, we're starting to see a little bit of uh, interest in wind as well, which, again, as an industry industry advocate, uh, I, you know, I won't apologize about that or anything like that. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting to see. Why has it been so long since a wind project has popped up in our state? Well, there's been a host of reasons for that. You know, Wisconsin is it's it's it has a good resource. It's not a spectacular resource, and frankly, of if you looked at where wind farms have been popping up all over the country, more than half of them in the last half dozen years have been in Texas and Oklahoma alone. Being that as it's May, uh, basically developers have been more focused on that Texas Oklahoma area. Uh, as well as Iowa, actually. Iowa's a huge producer as well. Basically, at that point, developers are looking for different places, and uh, Wisconsin does have some good uh, resources, especially along like the Niagara Escarpment, kind of runs along the eastern shore of uh, Lake Winnebago and such. Um, really, anywhere where you've got any sort of a large water and land interface or a change in elevation can be a really good place for uh, a wind farm. It's also worth mentioning that the technology has really gone uh, through the roof in even my, my career in the last, I don't know, 15, 18 years in wind. 
Um, the the forecasting is really state of the art now. I mean, they've they have got a great idea of when the wind is going to blow, how hard, and for how long. They've gotten very sophisticated in terms of figuring out microclimates, basically where where the wind is going to be a really good resource. They do a lot of that with lidar. Uh, they'll they'll bring in a machine that's about the size of a uh, a large piece of luggage, and uh, basically put it on the ground and leave it there for six months or a year, and it'll tell you everything that the wind's doing uh, within a pretty far radius and very high up in the air, and it'll give you an idea of really what the wind is doing. That lidar that you mentioned—that's how you determine where an ideal location would be for a wind farm. Yeah, that's definitely one of the first steps, and uh, once that seems to make sense. Uh, basically, they'll they'll move and they'll they'll install what they call a met tower or a meteorological tower, and that'll be something that basically looks like a really slim down cell cell tower, but has a series of anemometers and uh, wind vanes on it at different uh, heights along it, and then that that'll tell you, hey, the wind is doing this at. 80 meters above the ground and this at 100 meters above the ground, things like that. And then that data is run through a lot of different algorithms by people that are, let's just say, a lot smarter than I am. And they'll determine that, hey, this is a good spot or in other cases, no, it's not. You get surprised sometimes as well. Before, when you mentioned the different states where wind energy is really excelling right now, Texas, Oklahoma, Iowa, those are all very rural, very strong agricultural states. How does wind energy development affect agriculture? So wind plays very well with uh, large landowners, okay? And one of the reasons it does is that, okay, your first, let's just say as a landowner, you negotiate a deal as part of a project to be part of a project. Those deals are, are there's, there's quite a bit of range depending on the number of, number of machines someone's going to get, the amount of transmission that it takes to get there. Uh, how, where your collection lines need to be laid out. There's there's many things that go into that. But if you're a large landowner, and let's just say, since we're talking about the dairy state today, you know, milk prices go up, go down. Basically, they can provide a, a certain stability financially for some of these individuals that really makes sense. You know, a, a common thing that I've seen lately is that uh, these machines, just to have one on your property without any, uh, you know, compensation for any crop damage during construction or anything like that, it could be, you know, upwards of $20,000 a year, basically guaranteed for something up to 30 years. Now, for a lot of uh, landowners, that makes a lot of sense. There's no there's no mistaking here that the, the first year of that, uh, there will be a lot of construction happening, and that can frankly be a huge boon to uh, local hotels, local taverns, local restaurants. I mean, you bring in a lot of construction workers and, frankly, a lot of local construction contractors that are all working in a pretty rural area for an extended period of time, and that it brings a lot of, frankly, money to the area, and that can be great. Uh, after that first year of uh, development, basically farmers can go back to farming right up to the uh, the roads, you know, whereas with other modes of generation and other types of development, uh, that land is basically tied up and you can't farm it anymore. Uh, one of the nice things about wind is that once the turbine's built and all the construction folks go away, uh, you've got um, there's still service jobs that exist for decades. The farmers can basically go back to business as usual where they, you know, you can still farm right up to the access road and usually within about 20 feet of the base of the machine. So again, if you're a large landowner, it, it doesn't permanently affect your, uh, you know, the layout of your land or anything like that, which is which is really nice. Besides compensation, what are some other incentives that farmers may receive to have turbines on their property? 
I would say uh, in terms of is, there can definitely be a big boost to the local economy when the initial construction boom happens. Um, there's a lot of uh, local tax revenue that's generated by these uh, machines as well. And again, it's kind of pr- providing a resilient drought proof, uh, more or less like a cash crop uh, to landowners that while it, per- while it preserves current land use. It's basically just these things do not use any water of any sort. So, again, it does not affect you know someone like a farmer's way of life. Are there places in the state where wind for energy use just couldn't be harnessed in sufficient quantities? Well, there's a lot to determine where the wind blows and where it doesn't, right? I mean, anytime you've got inside of like a city or something like that, when there's a lot of disruption on the ground, whether it's buildings, whether it's too many trees, uh, that increases what we call wind shear. And wind shear basically means that the more things that are on the ground, uh, the higher up you have to go to get to that clean fetch of wind where it's uh, a nice higher velocity. Uh, When you're looking at any power produced by a wind turbine, the single largest thing you can do is have a better wind source. that, that's extremely important. That's why you don't see any really a whole lot of interest in wind in places like the North Woods or, you know, inside of a major city is because, again, there's too much stuff on the ground. It slows down the wind. And the wind that's left kind of becomes more what I'd say choppy, like uh, almost like uh, chopped up waves on a uh, on a sea of some sort. It's it's just kind of uh, it's it's tougher to make power that way that, that works as well. Speaking of a sea of some sorts, let's talk about Lake Michigan and Lake Superior for a minute because those are wide open spaces sure. where I know in some locations people are putting wind turbines out in big bodies of water. Is there interest in pursuing wind development projects in Lake Michigan or Lake Superior? Well, you, that's a that's a great question, and you're you're. I'll start out by saying yes. There's a ton of interest in offshore wind on the east coast of this country. I'm talking uh, Virginia, North Carolina, New Jersey, New York, places like that. The Great Lakes are in a peculiar situation here, where basically. You're right. There's a lot of wind over the water. However, since the Great Lakes tend to get so deep so quickly, to get a nice clean fetch of wind, you basically have to be out four or five miles. And as anyone that's you know been on a charter boat on Lake Michigan or Lake Superior knows, if you're four or five miles out, that's uh, you're in at least a couple hundred feet of water. And building a foundation for something like that tends to not be very cost effective. I've heard of floating designs that could be put somewhere prospectively on like the west coast of of the United States first, like Oregon, California, stuff like that. Is it conceivable that something like that could eventually come into uh, you know Lake Michigan or Lake Superior? Sure, but I don't think um, I don't think that's happening in the next ten years or so. We're not. We don't have to. That's not a concern or really. It's not a serious prospect in this part of the country. What are the biggest obstacles to overcome in expanding wind energy in Wisconsin? I think everybody's talking about transmission. You know, just to to make power in one place, that's part of the issue. Uh, Getting it to where it needs to go is another. And I know that uh, Wisconsin utilities are working hard to upgrade uh, our, our substation technologies and things like that so they can move power around the state for more I'll call it like distributed generation, but it's that's the sort of thing that doesn't happen overnight. I mean, that's uh, you take a lot of it takes a lot of equipment and a lot of work to do that as well. That was part of the whole IRA is really upgrading our infrastructure to 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 be able to handle our current load and increasing load. I mean, as we have more people and 
Electrification is, is all the rage right now, and we're going to need more electricity from all sorts of modes of generation. And we're going to be able, we're going to have to be able to move that around. What is the future of wind energy in Wisconsin? Nate, I didn't bring my crystal ball this morning, but there's definitely an, an opportunity for uh, wind energy to have some, uh, some good winds and be a good, good partner to a lot of people in Wisconsin. Well, it appears that wind energy isn't going to be blowing its way out of Wisconsin anytime soon. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Nate Zimdars.